0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. Today, we have the man, the legend, Morgan Ingram. He is the
1: master of social selling and all things SDR. Nick, why should people listen? Morgan is the king of LinkedIn, and he teaches us how to book meetings off of things as small as profile views. He also gives us a bunch around objection handling, prospecting, and running a darn good discovery call. Three, two, one, a darn good episode. Today's Deal Acceleration Cheat Code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers
0: And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-minute masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts. Again, yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. All
1: right, Morgan, welcome to the show. You know, we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. First and foremost, stop with the
2: weak introductions. I'm tired of hearing about how you're doing today. I'm tired of hearing about how's it going. Stop it. So here's a way you can get your conversations to be better. So we call this a powerful cold call introduction. So... All you're doing is, let's say if I was calling Nick, I'd be like, hi, Nick, thanks for taking my call. Hey, I know I'm calling you out of the blue here. However, do a few moments of chat. Massive panel up, and we'll get you more conversations. Cool. What's the second one? The second one is leverage your profile views on LinkedIn. It's the only social medium that allows you to see the profile views because we all know if you could do that for instagram <laughs> facebook like a lot of people would be in trouble but you can do it on linkedin so what you need to do from a tactical perspective is if it's a prospect or someone that you don't know and it's a first degree connected message them send them a gif or a gif whatever you want to call it i normally use the lurking gif so all it is is just a a deer that pops out of a boulder mm-hmm. and i say let's say if armand view my profile i'd be like hi armand Thanks for checking out my profile. Did I do something wrong? Gets a lot of responses.
1: Nice, finish us off. What's the last one, Morgan?
2: So if someone ghosts you, the one that you can use is, did I lose you? All right, so all you're doing is you have a thread of all the emails you sent. You put edit subject line, did I lose you? And the reason that that works is because people don't want to feel like they've given up on something. And the other one, this one has a 90% response rate. Each geo is going to see this differently. Each persona is going to see this differently. However, all you're going to do is edit the subject line. You're going to put Casper. You're going to put the ghost emoji. And then the body, you put Nick, are you ghost to me? And that one has a 90% response rate. And every single person that responds to that normally lasts, And it actually <laughs> brought back a lot of deals. So I just those are some tips right out the gate.
1: Oh, man, that's the second emoji related way to get somebody back that I've heard. We had Ken Amar on and he literally is just sending a sad face when somebody (laughs) doesn't respond. to him. I I love it. it. So I want to talk about this LinkedIn thing because, all right, you've got way more LinkedIn profile views than me. You probably have something like 40, 50,000. You've got to sort through a day. So what's your approach to calling through the LinkedIn views to make sure you're not just messaging every single rando? Hey, what did I do wrong?
2: In this case, what you're looking at is normally people that can invest in your solution, right? Or your service. Those are the people I'm normally looking to engage with. Or it could be people that could be bottom of the power line, right? These could be end users. These could be people that could get me referrals. So that's how I comb through it just to see what's going on. Because I know those people can give me referrals. And also you can use that as a connection request too. So this isn't just a direct message. Sometimes you can message that person and say, hey, thanks for viewing my profile. Is there anything I can help with? If you don't like, did I do something wrong? So there's two tactics there you can do as well.
0: So could you walk us through, a lot of people try to use social selling and they don't really follow all the way through. So if you're putting somebody in a cadence or if you're deciding to reach out to company X, how are you weaving in LinkedIn to your emails, your calls and every other form of outreach that you're doing? When you think about emails, phone calls, et cetera,
2: especially emails, most of those are automated. They're going through a cadence. Armand, you know when you get a sales off email. You know when you get an outreach email. So you're just gonna assume that that person is just spam canning you. So what I encourage every single person to do, another tactic here, is your first touch, if your buyer's are on LinkedIn, should be a LinkedIn connection request or following them on LinkedIn. That should be your number one step, and here's why. Because now what is gonna happen is they're gonna put a face to the name as you as a rep. Where all the other reps are doing emails and calls and they don't even know who that person is, you sent that connection request and now at least they're gonna be like, okay, I've seen this person's face before, maybe they even view your profile. So that's what I would do as part of that social touch is the first touch should be a LinkedIn connection request right there in the beginning. So then now when I call you and I email you, there's some familiarity there.
0: Gotcha, and then after you do that initial connection, are you waiting a couple steps and then following up with a message?
2: Yep. So if I, let's say if I sent you a connection request, right, and you accepted it. So two days later, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send a LinkedIn video or a LinkedIn voice message. So we've seen that to have high conversions across the board. Like if you're not doing this, I don't know what you're doing because this is ridiculous results that we're seeing across the board from clients and people that I mentor that they're using this to get multiple deals in the pipeline. So I'm waiting that two days later. If you wanna go to the inmail when they don't respond, you can, we just see less responses there. So you're really just looking for that person to engage with you via the connection request. And two days later, I'm hitting you up with that LinkedIn video or voice message.
1: So could you give me some of the best practices as to what you're actually doing in the content of that video and the voice message? Because I think a lot of reps avoid those things because they're afraid of looking silly.
2: What we tell people to do here, and this is best practice that I do, it's called the 10-30-10 formula, right? So this is a formula you can go use right after this and go schedule some meetings. And so how this works is in the first 10 seconds, my goal is to get your attention. So what I'm doing is two things. One is I'm either gonna find a trigger that's on the website or your LinkedIn. So for example, like I'm looking for people that are hiring sales reps, like that would be a trigger. The second part is what is this persona going through? So what are their challenges and also what are their priorities? So you're gonna have those two approaches. And as part of the 10 seconds, you always wanna say the reason for my video is. Because if you don't say that, then you won't be as confident in that video. And also the buyer will know, okay, yeah, I wanna pay attention to you because you have something to say. Then the 30 seconds is the value prop. So make that super simple. Hey, I'm just gonna take this from when people say, what do you want or what do you do? I put that 30 seconds there. Then that last is the 10 seconds, which is the call to action. So that call to action would be like, are you open to learning more? Are you interested in a deeper dialogue? Is this something that aligns with your priorities? So it's not as pushy, it's still a call to action to get them to say, yeah, I am, and then now we can move on. So the 10 10 applies to both the video and also the voice, and the video, to give the last context here, is you wanna make sure it's around 45 to 60 seconds, and you wanna think about your video as a movie trailer. The goal of a movie trailer is to get you interested to go to the movie, and where sales reps go wrong in emails and videos and all that stuff is they're like, oh, I'm going to write you this autobiography. Yo, I don't know you. I don't care about your autobiography. Like, what are you talking about? Short, straight, to the point, 45, 60 seconds on that video, 45 to 50 seconds on the voice note.
0: Think about these things as movie trailer that gets to the movie, which is the sales call. So let's let's get off a of video for a second. Yep. When you think about your phone openers, are you taking a similar structure there? Because I heard your f- opener and I think there were some slick things in that. So- there's something even
2: deeper in that, which is the tone. So Armand, I know you're all about the tone. (laughs) I know you're all about it. So here's the thing, is that, that intro I just gave you all in the beginning, you can't just casually say that intro. You can't be like, hi Nick, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I know I'm calling you out the blue. However, do you have a few moments to chat? I'm hanging up, what, (laughs) who are you bro? Get out of here. So the thing is, I call this the P-L-A, all right? So when I call Nick, calling Nick, so I'll be like, hi, Nick, thanks for taking my call. Now, the key, that's called the pleasant, right? So that's the P part about it, because I'm, that's nice. How many people thank you for taking the call when you, when you get cold call?
1: Yeah, almost none, you're
2: right. None. So now you're like, oh, awesome. thanks for taking the call. Your, your whole mindset now has changed, right? And this is all about interrupting patterns. It's what I believe in in every single thing I talk about prospecting. I'm trying to interrupt your pattern completely so now you're leaned in you're like what then the next part is you got to include the laugh because what I'm doing right now is kind of absurd I'm calling it the blue you don't know me so I go hey yeah I'm ca- I know I'm calling it the blue here so now I'm, I'm laughing about it and now you're probably gonna laugh and be like yeah yeah Morgan this is out of the blue and then because now I've broken down your barrier now my ask is easier and then that's where I go with the arms up and that's the a part which is like However, do you have a few moments to chat? So I'm not leaning in being like, hey, you want to chat with me? It's just like, yeah, do you have a few moments to chat? So it's very disarming. And now your answer about 70% of the time is going to be, who are you? What do you want? Depends on who you are. Because also you notice in that intro, I didn't introduce myself yet. So you have no idea what I'm calling for, what's going on, but I've broken you down with the PLA,
1: Then now you're going to be more open to talk to me. So Morgan, what do you do in that scenario where they can sense that, okay, you're some sales rep and they go, well, is this a sales call? What do you say to that?
2: I go, no, this isn't a sales call yet. And the reason I'm calling you is so we can, can set up a sales call so I can dive deeper into what's going on in your organization. Cause I don't know that, know that yet. This is just to see if you want to hop on that call. So can you at least give me 30 seconds so I can earn that 30 minutes?
1: So you're doing this thing where I've heard it described as people respond in kind, where if they're hostile, you're mellow, you're chill, and you get them to come to where you are. So are you doing that at other pieces in the sales process, like an initial discovery call, a demo where somebody might not be at the, the state that you need them to be for it to be a successful engagement? And if so, how?
2: Yeah. So if someone if someone's coming in hot and there's a lot of different cases where that would come into play but let's say it's maybe during the end of the call. We'll use this as an example, right? And I thought the call went well and the person just decides that they don't wanna set up next steps. They're like, no, I'll go talk to my team internally, like don't wanna set up next steps, right? And they're, and they're very adamant about that. And I'm like, hey, like, you know, normally when I work with people, and they said that they, you know, they've liked a little bit of stuff that we talked about. And I felt like we had a good conversation. Like normally we move for next steps and we schedule time on the calendar. Like, does that sound fair? And let's say they push back. They're like, no, Nick, Morgan, I don't want to do this. Like, I want to go talk to my team. And I'm just like, okay, what makes you say that? And I get them to talk about like what's going on. I try to understand where people at. Like a key question I always ask is what makes you say that? Or what's making you feel that way? right? And I get them to really talk about it. Because sometimes it couldn't even be about the call. Maybe something happened to them earlier that day, right? Maybe someone's sick in the family. I don't
0: know. So Morgan, you're really known for your prospecting stuff. Can we take it to the front end of the discovery call? So if you think about how you start your calls, how do you typically kick off a discovery call and know what sets of questions you're going to ask so you can start to narrow down where you're going to take this call?
2: So how I see a discovery call is 525. So I got another formula for you guys, right? So 525 in the five minutes, I'm looking to build rapport and not fake rapport. Cause there's, there's fake rapport. Like how's the weather, Nick? Like, no, like I got real rapport for you guys. We're going to talk about it. 20 minutes is the discovery. And then five minutes is the close. You should have dedicated time for the close of the call. Cause if you don't, you're going to get steamrolled, but Armand asked me about the five minutes. So let's go there. So in the first five minutes, what I do, I say, hey, Armand, before we hop on the call, you probably have a lot of sales up that you might talk to, and you probably got to give them a history lesson on what you're all about. So I I did some due diligence and I did my research. Notice that you're targeting these personas and CFOs, financial professionals. I noticed that you're targeting these industries. Looks like you're hiring some mid-market account executives, so it looks like, you're trying to go upstream as it looks like, and you've been in your role for about a year, which is great. Looks like you're doing SDRs and SMB. I feel like that's the next evolution of sales roles will be SDRs and SMB sales directors. And also notice as well that you have a podcast, which is pretty cool. So is all that accurate or am I missing something? And what does that do? Now you're you're gonna lean in mm-hmm. right in the beginning. And when I ask you those questions that most reps, when they ask them, the buyer goes, Uh, Yeah, I I don't want to share that. Or uh, yeah, I don't really know about that. You're gonna be willing to do that. You're gonna be willing to pull out your dashboard and be like, yeah, this is what's going on. Because I knew about your business in the first five seconds. And you're Mm -hmm. like, whoa, okay, this is a different conversation. Again, I pattern up in the prospecting. I also pattern up in the beginning of the discovery call. Like, this is a continuous process. This isn't just in prospecting, this is the entire thing. Right. So now you're leaned in. You're like, wow, okay, that's accurate, Morgan. Like, then I say, hey, before we get in this call here, what exactly are you looking to learn from me so I can make sure this is impactful for you? So those first yeah. two things are all about you. The next phase here is when I can then go into, I know Kevin calls it bucketing. You know, a lot of people do this differently. I've been playing around with it, but I've seen this one to be super successful and I'll explain why I do it this way. So I'll be like, hey, Armand, look, I talk to a lot of people that are director of sales development and they're in SMB." And they normally deal with an array of different priorities, looking to up level their team, looking to scale them up, looking to increase their cold calling. However, I'm just curious, are those your top three parties? And if not, what are they? And then what other departments are currently helping you right now? So I just done a lot of things right there. So first and foremost, you could say those are the three, or you could be like, no Morgan, those aren't the three, which is fine, I'm just showing you that I'm at least knowledgeable and I'm not a random sales rep. And this is the key part that a lot of people miss. I asked you what other departments are helping you with those priorities. So when we get to the negotiation phase and you're like, Morgan, I don't have the budget. I'm going to be like, wait, I remember at the beginning of the call, you told me that marketing was helping you with these priorities. Can we get some budget for marketing? Oh yeah, Morgan, we can definitely go talk to marketing. So I'm asking that question for a key reason because I want to know who else is trying to help you out. So then now we can
0: go get those people to get additional money if we need to. And so let's say I'm giving you a couple things back. How are you going to start picking me apart from there? Like, what do you mean by layering questions? Okay, so after you give me the three, then my question is, what's number one? So number one, honestly, the the biggest thing for us is like, we're just bad on the phones. We suck on the phones.
2: Okay, man, sucking on the phones. I hear hear that a lot. I used to suck on the phones too. So where on the phones though? Is it the intro? Is it the voicemail? Is it the value problem handling objections? Because there's a lot there.
0: Yeah, it just feels like a cold call man like it you know I'm big on the tone it just feels yeah. like we're telemarketer the, the whole tone throughout the whole call it just doesn't feel like we're having a real conversation got
2: it so it sounds like a lot of the reps are just going through the motions and using scripts and
0: they're not really inserting themselves into that call we got off scripts a while ago because it caused a problem and our team didn't know how to have an organic conversation but I don't think we've found a better replacement for that
2: Got it. Yeah. So, as part of that, you know, what, what we normally do on our end is we provide people with not scripts, but formulas to make them feel more comfortable in their messaging. And so, when they're targeting their personas, they can add their personality to it as well. And since this seems to be top of mind for you right now, like what are the conversion rates when you do get someone on the phone? Gotcha.
0: And so, now you're pulling me over to impact and you're trying to size the problem, yep. right? While still,
2: Showing that, hey, we do this, but I'm not saying, hey, we do it and that's it. I'm saying, hey, we can help here, but let me get deeper to see if I can truly help. So I'm doing that like, hey, Armin, I'm, I'm listening to you, but like, we're going to get deeper here. And I stay on that because that's your number one.
0: Well, one of the things you're doing is you're doing a little bit of push-pull throughout where there's a give and take. After I tell you something, you play it back. You empathize. You say, we've heard this before, but then you keep asking questions. Yep. One of the things that drives me up the wall about some discovery calls is their 30-minute interrogations. And then at the end, it's like, all right, here are the 30 things I heard. Here's how we're going to solve every single one of them. I just talked at you for 20 minutes. Great. What do you think? <laughs> and so how do you weave in how you're going to start to help me solve some of these problems in an artistic way throughout the disco? All right, so
2: everybody needs to write this down if you're listening. You need to start having conversations instead of presentations. That's it, right? Because if you think about the interrogation, the rep's like, okay, cool. I got my 20 questions here, right? I got to ask these questions or my manager's going to get mad at me. And that's how people's mindset is. So if they don't get the 20 questions asked, manager's like, why don't you ask the 20 questions? And then it's a presentation, right? So you have to keep this as a conversation. So like how I do it is, Armand, after I've asked you a couple of questions and I got what I need, I take a step back and I say, hey, Armand, let's say if we're about 15 minutes in the call, I'm like, hey, real quick, I just want to recap what I'm hearing here. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Like I heard that your cold calling is number one for you. Your, your team is sounding robotic when they get on the phone and you want to increase it by 10%. And a couple, here's a couple of things that I've mentioned so far that could be helpful. And I know there's a couple other things you wanted to cover in in terms of no-show rates and you want to help your team just skill up in general. Am I hearing all that right so far? Like, just want to make sure that I'm on the same page. So that gives you the opportunity to be like, yeah, I'm on the same page and maybe even add more context to it as well, if you want to. But also it allows me just to show you, hey, I'm I'm listening to you and I'm having a conversation.
0: You called it 525. Is that now we're reaching towards the end of the twenty?
2: We're each, we're reaching towards the end of the 20. So normally you're going to look at two or three problems that you diagnose diagnosed that are, that are huge issues that you can then drive into moving forward for the demo. Right. Because you mentioned 30 things like, you know, I'm not going to talk about 30 things on the demo because you're going to get in trouble. Right. But here's the tip here before you even hop into the demo or the PDF or whatever the heck you're going to do. These two questions need to be asked. One, this question may have already been answered based on your discovery, but you need to ask it. Hey, you know, before we go into this demo, before I show you the service or the PDF or whatever you're showing, what other options are you considering right now? I want to know who's even in play because as I show you this demo or this service, I got to know who the competition is so I can go ahead and preemptively strike whatever's going to happen. Right? could be like hey we're not really strong here that they're good here but we're really good here i want to know that otherwise i'm gonna get blindsided so ask that question get that the other tactical tip here this is key every rep should be asking this what is your decision criteria when you're buying a solution like this or buying a service like this so now they're gonna be like one two three boom so if they don't say price okay cool when you get to the end of the call which we're gonna talk about if they say oh that's too expensive like, yo, decision criteria wasn't even priced. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So now I got my decision criteria. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to have an interactive demo or an interactive screen share because now I have the decision criteria. I have the things that you, you wanted to, told me you wanted to talk about in this conversation at the beginning. Remember that. And I also have done those layering questions inside of the discovery to get all the stuff that I need. And so now I'm doing my demo and I'm going through it picking out the things that are relevant to you and tips here, right? Hey, you mentioned this or based on what I'm showing you here, how would you find that to be applicable? How would you use this in your organization, right? I'm even asking questions in the demo, right?
1: Just to get that feedback. Morgan, I want to rewind what you just mentioned about the preemptive strike when you're trying to beat the competition and and lay some landmines for them because that's something I really struggled with when I first started in sales was artfully placing those landmines without sounding like I was just trying to trash the competition. So what's your framework around those preemptive strikes?
2: If I know my industry and my marketplace well enough, I should know based on the decision criteria that they tell me where our strengths lie and where our weaknesses are. So all I'm doing is figuring out, all right, who's even the competition? Oh, all three of these decision criteria are all our strengths. I'm gonna go all in, right? hey, this is where we're really strong. This is where we're really strong. And they might even ask me in the demo, hey, how does so-and-so compare? Because you ask. I'm like, well, yeah, they're really great here. However, we're really great here, right? So I'm preemptively striking it because I know who the competition is. I know what the decision criteria is. So now when I'm doing my demo, I know what to point to based on what they told me. And also if the objection does come up where they mention, oh yeah, so-and-so mentioned that too, then I can talk to it directly because I at least know who the people are.
1: Morgan, we've made it all the way to the end of this meeting and you, you, you laid it out for us that we're gonna get steamrolled if we don't manage the last five minutes. So how are you closing out next steps at the end of a meeting?
2: Yeah, so there's two different ways of going about this right after this is over. So if you're talking to someone above the power line, these people make direct decisions, they most likely know what they're looking for. So right after you're done, ask them, is this exactly what you're looking for? I'm super direct with that. Because if it's someone above the power line, they should be like, yeah, this is what we're looking for. Or no, and then you have to just figure out like, okay, what am I missing, right? Have that direct conversation. They're gonna appreciate that. Now, people below the power line, I asked them this and they got a little weird. So don't ask them is exactly what you're looking for? Because they're like, well, I don't know. I gotta talk to my boss. And that's not really a good answer. So I just asked them, do you like it? like yeah yeah no i like this this is cool right so then what i do is i'm a guide as sales reps we're guides okay you got to make this process easy for the people because they're already getting tons of emails tons of internal meetings i don't want to make this complicated so on either lane right the next step is hey based on what you told me here what happens next is normally we schedule a call and that follow-up call normally is in the next three to four days. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to put time on the calendar so then we can have a follow-up. And here as well, we, prob- we like to include some other people. So if there's a manager, director, someone else in the buying party that we need involved, like who, who is that going to be? And then they tell me, cool. So we're going to add Sarah and Blake on the call as well. And also as part of that, in that next call, we'll probably go in a little bit more detail about what our solution is. And if they have any questions, let me know ahead of time so I can make sure to address that. Does that sound fair? And most people are like, oh yeah, that sounds fair. On the call, right? Don't leave and be like, oh, follow me next week. Like that will get you a loss of deals. I get the next steps on the call. Hey, I'm looking at my calendar. Next Thursday at 8 a.m., does that work for you? Awesome, I send the calendar invite. And from that standpoint, we're both on the same page. Then I'll ask, Hey, what's timeline look like? I'll get the timeline. If they ask for price, normally they do on the first call, I give them the price. And so that's how I close for it. I'm always closing for next steps. It's not about closing the deal. It's about closing for next steps. And a lot of reps miss that. And you got to make sure that you're closing every single time on the next step, getting multiple people involved, because you want to make sure you have deal insurance at the end of the day. Because if you just have one person, that person could leave, that person could fizzle out, and then now you're in trouble.
1: Love the term deal insurance. I'm going to steal that. You're right. One of the biggest ways that reps torpedo themselves is they get stuck just talking to one person and then that person leaves the company and it's back to square one. So one of the best ways that you can ensure a deal is going to close and close faster is you multi-thread and you involve multiple people in the conversation. Think about it this way, right? If you did your job on the first call,
2: you should have closed that person to help you close multiple people. If you didn't do your job, that person is not willing to to show you off to other people because you didn't close them. And now you're playing this follow-up game that's gonna be annoying for you. So my goal is to be like, hey, I'm closing for next steps. I'm also closing you because I want you to be bought in here, right? You're supposed to be my champion, influencer, whatever that person is. So that's why I'm always closing for the next steps, asking for the timeline. You can even ask this question. I sometimes do it. What questions should I have asked that I didn't ask? Right, I I like that one. I'll sometimes throw that one in in there if I felt like maybe the demo was a little bit off, but those are things that I do to set myself up for next steps every single time. And if I don't get the next steps, then I know I have to do a little bit more digging to figure out why. Well,
1: you're doing two things that I think give you a really good chance of getting intro to other people. One, that first question you asked all the way back in the beginning of the discovery, which was something along the lines of, hey, what do you want to talk about today? So we make sure we have a really productive conversation. You're handing over the autonomy. You're putting them in control. You're not the sales rep who's domineering the agenda. The Mm -hmm. other thing that you're doing is you're closing out the call on time. You talked about carving out those last five minutes. And if there's anything that's going to make me not take another meeting with somebody, it's them disrespecting what I want to add to the agenda and disrespecting my time. So by managing those two things, you give yourself a greatly higher chance so we hit everything from the initial prospecting
0: to the initial disco to how we kick off the demo one thing we haven't talked about is there are tons of good habits that we talked about but there are some bad habits we got to break right away and so if there's one thing that we had to stop doing right away to be more successful what is it stop connecting
2: and pitching this has to stop (laughs) this this is a terrible habit going on linkedin immediately connecting And then pitching immediately and sending your novel is what immediately needs to stop. Well, what should somebody do? (laughs) So what they should do, I got to leave the suspense, right? What they should do is going back to the videos, going back to the voice messages is – Thinking about ways how can I break through the noise and that's with everything you know we, we guided you all through a lot of different things here today but you should be thinking about how can I break through the noise that's using the LinkedIn video that's using LinkedIn voice note right using gifts gifs, whatever you want to call them right using these things to break through the noise and that's what you should be doing because it's gonna stand out and the whole goal is to get your buyer to be engaged and when the buyers engage right from the beginning, you can get them engaged throughout all the way to the end.
0: Killer episode, Morgan. Well, you got everybody's attention right now, so you can break through the noise. What do you want to leave with the audience before we sign off?
2: All I want to leave with you guys is every single episode that you listen to on this podcast, do what the people say. Like, like I think that's the biggest miss right now is everyone gets super hype about stuff and like, oh, that sounds great. And then they don't do it. So the thing I want to leave you all with is go do it. Whether it's my episode or previous episodes or the episodes to come, like write it down and go do it. instead of overthinking it and be like, where's the data? Like you are the data and go be the sample
0: size. All right, everybody. So there's no excuse to not do it because we're going to give you a 60 second recap email coming up soon. Cheers. Your top four takeaways from the episode with Morgan J. Ingram include number one, check your profile views and ask your prospects who looked at your profile, hey, did I do something wrong here? Number two, the PLA phone opener, pleasant. Start with saying, hey, thanks for taking my call. Laugh, and then arms up. Say, do you mind if I tell you why I'm calling? Number three, the five twenty-five disco call. Five, build rapport and set the agenda. 20, take the body of the disco. Five, set your next steps at the end of the call. And then lastly, your 10, 30, 10 LinkedIn video. Grab their attention up front. Tell them the reason for your video. Quick value prop,
1: ask. Make it like a movie trailer. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out here? So the past couple episodes, we've asked you guys to do things to help us. I don't want that this week. This week, it's all about Morgan. Let's show him some love. Go on LinkedIn, send him a message if you like the show or tag him in a post if you thought what he said was helpful. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week.